superpowers on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that lifts the voice of love from orgasms to superpowers and everything in between. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Sex, Love, and Superpowers podcast show. I am your host, Tatiana Berende, and today I have with me Rachel Alexandria, and we are going to be discussing conscious conflict and why we avoid it. Rachel is a MA, MFA, and she worked for eight years as a licensed psychotherapist and now serves as a soul medic and reality mentor. I love that. Rachel gives clients a better way to adult. Her clients become masterful at expressing their truth and stepping up to create powerful lives of purpose and meaning. She's written two books, an Amazon bestseller about navigating conflict and an illustrated mind hack about conquering the inner critic. And I just want to give you a good warm welcome to the show, Rachel. Yay. Thank you for having me. I'm Absolutely. Glad to be here. Yes, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Um, but before we dive into this juicy topic, will you tell us what your superpowers are? Sure. Oh, there's so many. <laughs> I know, right? It's a, it's a tricky question to answer. It is. It is. You know, I was I was thinking about the um, the idea of self love because it was suggested in one of your um, one of the idea questions, mm. and I thought, you know, I think just answering for today, <laughs> one of my superpowers is my ability to be selfish enough to love myself and focus on myself more than anybody else. Not a ton more, just enough more. And I, I feel like that's a superpower to not be ashamed to love myself first. Yeah, that's huge. And there's so much that comes up for people around that, you know, there's so many mm -hmm. stories about selfishness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think everything that I've developed and built and the boundaries I know how to hold and all of that comes from having that power to, to put myself first. And can you give some of our listeners who might be a little bit astonished at that concept an idea of what that looks like to put yourself first? <laughs> sure. Um, I don't, of course, mean that I'm lacking compassion for others or that I don't ever serve others because I absolutely do. I, I come from a background of being more of a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. um, but there's also a fierce love within me that really got harnessed when I read Richard Bach's Illusions when I was like 15. Mm. Um, and one of the things, one of the examples I think in that that's useful in that story is um, Richard is being taught by this, uh, this other barnstormer character named Donald Shimoda in this book. It's a sort of a magical fictional autobiography. <laughs> and, and, Donald is saying, we all get to do whatever we want. And Richard is saying, well, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. Hmm. And so Donald magics into existence a, a vampire to come join their campfire. And the vampire is talking to Richard and he's saying, well, I, it's excruciating for me if I don't have some, of, some blood to drink. Could you please give me some of your blood? I, I really need it or else I'm in terrible, terrible pain. <laughs> and, hmm. and Richard is like, no, get away from me, you terrible thing. And then the vampire looks at Donald and says, I think you've made your point and disappears off into the darkness. 
And Donald says, I'm sure bl- glad that you don't act as you, as you say you believe. Mm. So I think the world and people, consciously and unconsciously, go around trying to ask things of us that are too much sacrifice. And if we're entirely focused on the other, then we keep giving ourselves away in, in ways that are harmful and painful. Um, so basically, I'm talking about boundaries. You know, there are ways in which I will not let someone abuse me, you know, um, in, in all the meanings of that word, whether that's, for um, instance, I had someone recently ask me, a friend asked me for a favor that I felt, I mean, I love my friend and I want my friend to succeed, but they asked me for a favor that was beyond what was appropriate. Um, they asked me for a favor that would involve a fair amount of my time and professional service and professional advice. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I want to help you. I really love you. I want you to succeed at this big project you're about to embark upon. I agree with you that my feedback and my assistance there is going to help you a lot, but you need to pay me. Mm-hmm. That's just how that's going to go. Um, and it was an awkward conversation, <laughs> but that's how much I love myself. It's not that I don't love my friend and I don't want that friend to succeed. I absolutely do. But I also know if I'd said yes to that request without any kind of modification, then later I felt full, angry at myself, angry at my friend, less valuable, etc. And I love myself too much to let that happen. You know, I, I love that. And I love that, especially in, in regards to this topic of, of conflict. Um, I was really struck by your book, Woman Overboard, um, and why women in particular avoid conflict. You know, so I think so many people, but especially women, would not stand up for themselves or advocate for themselves in that kind of a situation because they would be afraid of what the other person would think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm just so curious. I mean, we're going to dive deeper into this, but why do you think that it's women in particular who have such a hard time with conflict? Oh, centuries of oppression, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean... You know, we are our mothers and our mother's mothers and our mother's mother's mothers, um, at least in in most countries coming from most places, have been told to not have a voice, to sit down and be quiet, you know, to, to stay relegated to smaller jobs, smaller arenas, lower positions, not positions of power. And if you even look at... Uh, you know, advertising for years. I mean, I remember the first time I ever saw, oh, I'm going to totally space on her name right now, but the Amazing Woman's um, video about, uh, oh, I'm going to space on the title too. It's a a movie, a documentary, uh, basically, not even a documentary. It's a presentation about how advertising is extremely sexist and suppresses women all the time. I can't mm-hmm. remember her name, but she's featured in Misrepresentation. When I first saw that and then started showing it to my classes when I was teaching undergrads, I was so struck by all of the um, unconscious ways that advertising sneaks in, to, just visually even, mm-hmm. into our minds and says, 
here's all the way that women are objects. Here's the way that we are just meant to be, uh, to go along with the flow while the men are the ones in power and they make decisions over our lives, our bodies, etc. And, you know, we're starting to come out of this hypnosis. But right. It's been a long time. So I think it's that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a definitely a topic we dive into a lot on this show, and mm. and I, I couldn't agree more with you. I do I do see more and more, um, especially the young girls. I feel like are being empowered in a, in a different way, but it it's mm. it's become such a norm. Um, this sort of ubiquitous message that we are powerful when we're sexy, and and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I so I um you know there's there's a lot that I do I do want to discuss particularly around you know standing up for ourselves in in situations that could seem adversarial or where we would you know it, it would could be scary to you know that we might hurt somebody or that we're we're going to be stepping into a position of power and all of the all of the subtle nuanced dynamics that come up for us when we start to really claim our voice um, and step more into that. We do have to go to a quick break, however. Before we go to the break, would you tell our listeners where they could find out more about you? Absolutely. So you can find me at rachelalexandria.com. Pretty easy. R-A-C-H-E-L-A-L-E-X-A-N-D-R-I-A.com, just like it's sounding. Awesome. So we've been talking with Rachel Alexandria about conscious conflict and why we avoid it. More when we get back. Stay tuned. Are you here to change the world? Do you talk about things like vibration, frequency, awakening, and consciousness? Are you pretty sure you have superpowers? The Superpower Net is unlike normal coaching programs and conscious communities. We provide training, intuitive guidance, peer-to-peer learning, intensive one-on-one coaching, and a high vibrational network of people just like you. When you join the Net, you get 24-7 access to a collaborative group of people who support you as you master your personal power and unlock your superpowers. If you're ready to use your superpowers to change the world, then join the Superpower Net today. Visit superpowerexperts.com slash the net to learn more. Okay, and we're back. Um, so one of the one of the things that I would love to hear you talk a little bit more about is um, what what do we do when our needs conflict with someone else's needs say that someone is someone who's very close to us a spouse a child you know how how to navigate that terrain Mm, it's a great question i do want to say i remembered the name of that video that i was talking about just to track it back it's called killing us killing us softly killing us softly and there's different versions and you might have to see if it's on Netflix or get an educational <laughs> license to show it, which is how I think I found it, but it's mm. stunning. Um, so what do we do when our needs conflict with other people's needs? Well, I mean, right there is the grounds for difficult conversations. Right. Um, it's such a broad topic. I mean, the first thing to do is, and what I talk about in my book is like, okay, well, that's that's the starting point, and that's the place where we need to learn how to navigate. 
um, which is why in the the book Woman Overboard, the whole concept was based around the idea of um, a life ring, you know, like a, a floaty device that they throw mm-hmm. out from a ship. So the my needs conflict with somebody else's needs. Is the a brewing storm that starts to throw us off the ship and then we're paddling and freaking out. So the first thing to do is stop freaking out. <laughs> you know, it's to like recognize, ah, now I am in this different kind of scenario where I need to navigate having a hard conversation with somebody. It might not be hard, but but the initiative to have it might might feel hard. Well, and that's always the fear, right? Is that it's going to lead to separation. It's going to lead yes. to a big fight. And and I think oftentimes the conflict is imagined and we, it's not, it doesn't even exist yet, but we mm-hmm. avoid it because we think mm-hmm. it's going to exist. Yeah. I used to think years before I wrote my book that I really served my relationships by helping our connection avoid hardship hard, mm-hmm. difficult conversations. I used to think that was a smart thing to do. <laughs> and it, it took me a, an exploded um, deep friendship slash business partnership and a divorce to figure out that wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when I was like Scarlett O'Hara style on the top of the mountain. I swear I'll never avoid a difficult conversation again. <laughs> So that's what led to the research, you know, um, my, my own personal research and research with clients that turned into the book. Um, so the first thing to do is stop freaking out, you know, like take a breath, recognize that you're not a bad person for wanting different things than what somebody else wants. This is an extremely common human thing to have happen. Recognize that probably your wants are just as legitimate as the other person's wants. Um, and then, so in the book, one of the things I, I share is that there can be three different goals for any difficult conversation, and you kind of figure out which one you have based on projecting forward and evaluating the other person or or entity, I suppose, in the conversation. Is this someone that you feel really, really close to, and mostly there's really good connection? Um, and there's just some, you know, like a like a lover or a dear friend, and it just so happens they want to have Thai food and you want Mexican food, <laughs> or, or you know they they want a baby and you don't. I mean, it can it can be as yeah, that's a big one, right? Bigger, little is. I mean, but I know some people who used to not even say no. I don't want that kind of food today because they were so worried about conflict. So. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's somebody you're close to and you generally get along well with, I say that the, you know, the goal of the conversation oftentimes is going to be connection. Um, you know, it's and and sometimes it'll be the next one, which is negotiation. Uh, and then the third goal is protection. Protection is the goal when it's not somebody you get along well with or you don't have much connection at all, and they're being in some way abusive or harmful or attacking, that's when we do protection. So it, you know, how to handle it, how to, how to deal when somebody wants something different than what we want. It really, you have to start evaluating how different is it than what I want? How reasonable is their need? How reasonable is mine? And you have to do that from a place of neutrality instead of um, a reactionary place of 
you know, oh, I'm a terrible person for wanting something different or, oh, I just want this conflict to go away. So their need is more important than mine. Mm -hmm. That's not a, (laughs) that's not a reasonable evaluation. (laughs) But that's such a common thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, I just want this to be comfortable. I want it to all smooth over. So I'm just going to pretend that I actually don't care. Right. And every time we give up what we need for the sake of keeping the peace, we sacrifice a little bit of our self-respect. So I understand the desire to do it because it's easy, right? It's like Mm -hmm. having fast food. It's just right there. It's just so easy. It's cheap. But the toll that it takes on us is pretty harmful, especially cumulatively. I think once in a while doing that when it's low stakes, fine. You know, if you're with your family and you just don't want to have one more fight over where you're going, what movie you're going to see, sure, whatever. But it has to be occasional. If you're doing it on a regular basis, it's harmful to your health. Yeah. Um, you talk about masculine power versus feminine power. Actually, before we go into that, um, I would love to discuss a little bit about healing our relationship to power because I think that that mm. a lot of people have a real negative connotation with mm. the word power. Mm. You know, empowerment is a is a word that's thrown around a lot today. I use it a lot myself. Mm. Um, but like, let's dig into this a little bit because this is power is there's a there's a lot that comes with that word and and with our relationship to it. Mm-hmm. Well, I love power. <laughs> Let me just be out there and say that. I absolutely love power. Um, I don't, you know, it's not in charge of me. You know, I think that that concept that uh, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. There's some wisdom in that. So, yeah, and and um, for those of your listeners who know the Enneagram, uh, type one that also has to be very conscious of of how I work with power so that I don't let it become this seductress because I think there is that potential, right? Mm-hmm. That's part of why we've been taught to fear it. But another reason why we've been taught to fear it is that those who have it don't want us to have it mm-hmm. because they want all of it. And that's not okay either. Well, and there's <laughs> you know? also, I think, the story that if someone else has power, they won't have it anymore, which I think is a fallacy. If someone else has, yes, agreed. Power is, there's no such thing as scarcity with power. Right. That's, you know, there's equal distribution. There's sharing, you know, just like resources. Um, But yeah, that's part of how power can, can be seductive if you're not mindful with it. Um, just like money can be seductive if you're not mindful with it. It, it is something that needs to be managed like an adult. Um, or I'm meaning you is, need to act like an adult and be conscious in how you're working with it. Um, because it can start to whisper that. It can start to hook up with jealousy and, and um, scarcity mindset and say, oh, I'm only valuable if no one else has me but you. And it's just not true. You know, just don't let it be your boss. Um, but I, I love power. I love um, really knowing that when I walk through the world, I am capable of handling any situation that comes at me. You know, I, I talk to people about it's not about um, it's not about always knowing 
like having all the plans for the perfect thing to do. It's about basically becoming like a skilled whitewater rafter, like a guide. You know, the river is going to be different every time based on the season, based on, you know, what rocks have moved, based on the flow and, and how much water there is. And the raft is going to move differently through the river every time. You can't know the perfect path, but what you can do is be extremely skilled at responding. Yes. You know, at assessing and responding. And to me, that's part of power. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And empowerment. Yeah. 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 I, I, I like empowerment. I tend not to say empowerment because, yeah, I, I like to just really go directly at the thing that's <laughs> the idea that scares people most mm-hmm. and especially women. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's okay for you to be powerful. Well, and I think there's the, there's this real, what I like to talk about the difference between power over and power from within. Yes. Because I think really what people have a reaction to is the, the power over the, the domination yes. paradigm. Yeah. I had a, a, a really visceral experience of this years ago that I'm so grateful for. Um, so I went to do an equine coaching experience, meaning mm-hmm. uh, working with horses. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody coaches, for those who don't know, somebody, people train to uh, work with horses that are untethered basically and then help other people uh explore things internally with themselves with the horses because horses are well so i went there thinking oh i'm gonna be so good at this i'm so good with animals (laughs) and in truth i'm good with dogs and Mm -hmm. dogs recognize hierarchy dogs recognize power and respond to it Mm -hmm. horses are prey animals not predators Mm -hmm. and so overt uh, displays or feelings of power they will shy away from. And so I walked into the ring with other people and the horses were not having any of what I was bringing. And then I went into shame and sadness. Um, but from that, I learned and I did a couple more times of equine coaching and came to understand the feeling of instead of power over, power with, you know, mm-hmm. um, and through other leadership experiences, I've gone through really understanding that that true um, heartful power, you know, enheartened power is leading by following. Mm-hmm. So helping people or helping situations by perceiving what's already going on and who's in the room and what wants to happen in the greater context you know, what wants to happen for, for the biggest healing or the biggest movement and then facilitating that. Totally. I think this is a perfect segue now into the masculine power versus feminine power. (laughs) (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. um, so how would you define masculine power and feminine power? Oh, I am not the biggest expert at those two distinctions, but I will say that um, I I feel them as like masculine power, just like the masculine, not meaning men, right, and women, but, right? Of course, those right. energies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, masculine power tends to be overt, straightforward, directive. It's like an arrow, like action. It can be a push, and um, and it could be loud. It it is more of a demonstration um, or a performance almost. 
And there's totally a place for that. I have used it before and I'm glad it's in my arsenal. Um, and I, I hate using war words to <laughs> as metaphors, but they're just so, they're just so easy. And I call and, it a toolbox. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally toolbox. Um, and whereas feminine power is more persuasive, more, um, not as overt, it's covert or it can be covert. Um, it, it's softer. It's, it's, I guess the difference between like fire and water, mm-hmm. right? Both can move rocks. Um, both can, can destroy or create. Um, but they do it in very different ways. Mm-hmm. I love, I love that you said that about, you know, both having the ability to destroy or create. Because um, I think oftentimes, actually, the the masculine energetic can get sort of demonized. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, you know, I've done a lot of work in sort of like the the women's communities and 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 and, um, and women's work. And there's like this this action principle that we do all have within us. I mean, these are energetics that every human being has access to. You know, I think masculine and feminine is is a, is a maybe becoming outdated way to mm. to identify these mm-hmm. um these complementary energetics mm-hmm. um but there you know i think oftentimes as women we can have a tendency or we've been conditioned to have a tendency to favor the the more um allowing side of things which you know in this conversation about conflict is this is like oh i'm just going to step into the the allower sort of like lay down and take it almost like, Mm, or just mm -hmm. like water. I'm just going to flow through and like, Oh, you want to go over here? Okay. I'll go over here. And, Mm. you know, and and at the expense of this like active directive principle. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And yet both are so valuable and so needed and do have the power to create. And I would argue almost can't create without both of them online. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Um, and I, you know, I notice this, like even this conversation, I'm in a very more of my feminine energy, like the way mm-hmm. my voice sounds, it's very kind of water, it's much more flowy. But um, just to give listeners an example, if I, if someone were to I don't know, like try to come into my apartment right now, my voice would sound very different. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I would be like, what are you doing here? Get out of my house. You know, like there's, you know, we can, we can, um, they used to say in my graduate school when I was training to become a therapist, play all the keys on the keyboard. Mm. You know, sometimes it's time for the minor keys or a different octave. And sometimes you can, you know, really be banging the heavy tones. Like there's, there's room for all of it and we need all of it to truly um, navigate this world and be successful. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what would you say is the benefit of conflict or Mm. of of being willing to engage conflict? Ah, those are two different questions. (laughs) I guess that's true. That is true. Sure. Um, Being willing to engage in conflict the benefit to me to take it just to a really high level is that I have found that I feel so free now when I'm not 
always worried about a conversation heading that direction mm-hmm. and thinking that I'm going to have to give up something of myself or feel suppressed or be angry at somebody and deal with it on my own, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, it, it makes me feel free and, and also powerful. Um, some really interesting things have happened because I've been willing to engage in conflict. I mean, just to take that, that example I used before with the friend, mm-hmm. um, I was very clear with that friend, even though it felt uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I was very clear about what I saw him asking and what I wanted. And I got it, basically. I got to, instead of, you know, doing it for not getting any of the things I wanted um, and then feeling bad about it and thinking, do I have to talk to him? I feel so crappy. And having to spend all that time wrangling myself and dealing with what should I do, but also not having the experience of I don't know, kind of half asking, asking what mm-hmm. I wanted and mm-hmm. having them be like, you know what? It just isn't feeling great. So never mind. I'll deal with it another way. And then getting left out of the whole experience. Mm-hmm. Um, being willing to engage in conflict has created much for me. Um, dating wise, it's, you know, in the bedroom and, talking about money and um, helping friends even, you know, I think it liberates me. It liberates other people when I, when everyone gets to see, you know, we can have this conversation and it doesn't have to be terrifying, you know, and being able to talk to clients about money when they're considering working with me, but they're like, Oh, I don't know. Financially, is this the right fit for me? Or, like I made a change in my business a few years ago, switched over from being a therapist to doing what I do now. Mm-hmm. And I also really dramatically changed my pricing structure just to reflect that because um, I work with people on retainer now. So it's a very different pricing and it's paid all at once. Mm-hmm. And I, that meant I had to have some hard conversations with clients about money. Mm-hmm. You know, like, have to either retire or if you want to come follow me into this new line of work, that is similar, then it's going to involve this different kind of pricing and to just be with this, this space where we don't know what's going to happen to our relationship Mm -hmm. and that I can do that and not run away out of terror or, or give in too easily or demand things like just that I can be relaxed enough in a hard conversation produces so much more possibility and results that I never would get any other way. No, I mean, it is scary for a lot of people to have these conversations because they're afraid of what people are going to think. Mm-hmm. It was scary for me. I don't, let's not imply that it's not scary. <laughs> uh-huh. It's definitely scary. I'm just saying it's worth it. So what are some like really concrete tools that mm. a person could use if they're deciding, okay, like I want to start having, I want to, I want to start being willing to have some of these scary conversations, but then like they freeze or panic in the middle of it, or, mm-hmm, or there's mm-hmm. the thought of it creates panic. You know, what do, what do they do? Um, so one of the things that I say when I speak on this topic, it's kind of like the, the number one thing I learned about conflict is you have to prepare ahead of time for it. You can't just jump in and go because yeah, you're probably going to screw it up. 
you're, you're either going to do something boneheaded to yourself or to the other person, or it, it's just going to go awry. So any kind of hard conversation that I see coming up, I take time to prepare for. And um, I did build something in Women Overboard called the self-rescue system. I built it for myself and then I workshopped it with clients because I used to get really scared. I'd get the whole gamut, right? Like I'd get flushed. I'd, my throat would start to close up. I wouldn't be able to talk. I'd have to cry. And like, <laughs> you know, that whole, like that's, mm-hmm. that was my whole experience of having hard conversations. I was so terrified of hurting the other person or them rejecting me or abandoning me, like just, just terrified. So I had to build a way for myself to feel prepared enough. So I, I, uh, what I say is I don't generally think of a script, but I definitely have, I think, I forget what this is, what book I learned this in another unfortunate war metaphor, but commander's intent. The Hmm. idea that we don't have to know the entire battle plan. Actually, when I was in therapy school, my, one of my teachers used to say, no plan survives contact with the enemy. Hmm. (laughs) So you Mm -hmm. might think you're going to go in and have one thing happen. And then dealing with live humans, things always will get shaky and do different things. But you need to have an overarching view of where you're headed. So that's one of the reasons why part of the self-rescue system talks about goals. What is your overall goal Mm -hmm. for this? Is it connection, negotiation, or protection? Mm -hmm. But also part of what I built into that system for myself is like really identifying and validating my feelings. So I feel scared. Okay, what is this fear really trying to say? Am I afraid they're going to reject me? Okay, so this is my mom and that relationship is solid. So I know she's not going to do that. She might be angry, but she's not going to full out reject me. So Mm -hmm. let's take that fear to a reasonable place. Mm -hmm. And then let's, you know, let's really assess my needs and how and what I'm willing to give up. What are my deal breakers? You know? Um, so, so the, there's a, it's actually like the second half of the book is basically how to prepare yourself to feel more grounded, to feel resourced, to have an overall plan and to know the things you're not willing to give up and, and then come in from a place of being a strong negotiator. I think that knowing what you're not willing to give up piece is so hugely important and mm-hmm. super valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when I the more I've done it, because the, the whole system is like four quadrants and each have three components and it's a lot to take in over <laughs> a short amount of time. I teach it. I used to teach it in the, a course I called Power Embodied, which I, I haven't done lately, but some of the things that I I think are the crew components are knowing what it is that you're afraid of because when we really look fear in the face, often part of it is ludicrous and we can dismiss that aspect. So it's Mm -hmm. not quite as scary, you know, you know, is everyone in the world going to point and laugh at me? That's not going to happen. It's just never going to happen. We're not four and it's not preschool, you know? Um, So, but, but yeah, knowing your deal breakers is a big one. Um, so like I prepared for a really 
challenging breakup conversation using this system. <laughs> like I was so terrified years ago to to break up with this um, lovely person I was dating, but I just really felt like he wasn't healthy enough physically, and and I felt like he had an addiction, and he didn't agree with me. But it was it was a deal breaker for me whether or not he agreed with me, and I had to just make a mantra for myself to pair conversation because I felt scared. Like, what if I'm wrong? What if he doesn't? But the truth was my experience has to be enough for me. It doesn't matter what the full truth is, whether or not he was an addict. My experience, my truth was enough for me to make that decision. And that was my line in the sand. Like my deal breaker was, I can't keep dating you if you're going to have these behaviors. I just can't. Regardless of whether the truth is that you have an addiction or not, I just can't. Yeah. And that I think is such... That is such an important distinction and so powerful in and of itself to just, I mean, it, it circles back around to the beginning of our conversation of, of self-love, you know, and caring enough about yourself to acknowledge that whether or not, you know, you will change or, or I'm right or you're wrong or what have you, this is my truth. Mm-hmm. And I get, I, I get to honor that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and even if it hurts you, yeah. like it, it hurts me too. And, <laughs> you know, it serves, it serves no one for me to suppress my truth and to, to sacrifice myself so that I don't give you this data, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, it's, it was, that was one of the hardest conflicts I had because he really was a dear person. And I think that really hurt for him and, it, it was hurting me to be in that relationship with that unacknowledged. I, I, you know, there was no good, there was no good there. It just needed to basically be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, ending something or saying no, or being willing to walk away mm. is the healthiest, but also the hardest thing that we can do. Mm-hmm. And that's where the self, exactly what you were saying. That's where the self-love comes in. I love myself too much to keep suffering this way. Yeah. Yeah. And saying no to the wrong things lets the right things find you. That is for sure. I've, I've talked about that with some of my clients sometimes about <laughs> how, you know, it's like you're, hold, you're, you're holding space here. This is a placeholder for what you really want. How does that, mm. how does that, how does that feel? Mm-hmm. Usually people, usually people tend to, to make a change at that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. This is I, could have something, I could have something I really wanted, but yeah. instead I'm having this mediocre thing. Right. Right. Because it's holding the place for, for what you really want. Mm-hmm. Um. Rachel, I just, I really want to appreciate you for coming on the show today. Um, this has been a really lovely conversation. And is there, you know, one last nugget? You've given us so much in this conversation, but if there's one last thing you want to share with our listeners before we sign off. Mm. Well, I, I guess I just want to come back to that idea of, of the, the self-love, you know, that, um, everyone listening, you you are the worthiest person in the entire world to love. 
and the best love you're ever going to, that's possible for you to receive in the world other than love of love from spirit is your own because it is 24 seven. Like you are with yourself 24 seven. So that is the most consistent um, and aware and validating love you can possibly have if you just harness it. Amen to that. Um, thank you again so much for coming on the show. Rachel Alexandria, we've been talking today about conscious conflict and why we avoid it. You can find out more about her and her Amazon bestseller, Woman Overboard, Six Ways Women Avoid Conflict and One Way to Live Drama-Free at rachelalexandria.com. And to all of our listeners out there, I want to thank you so much for tuning in, for listening to the show. I love you so much. And until next time, go out and love yourself so that you can love the world more deeply. Many blessings. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.